what movie did we watch, Amy? Just a moment ago. Just a moment ago. We just watched Last Night in Soho, the latest Edgar Wright film. Yeah. And um, we are going to talk about it. We just finished watching it. These are our first impressions. Mm-hmm. We are going to spoil it. There are spoilers. It's still a really, oh, yeah. like, relatively recent movie, so... If you don't want it spoiled, then um, don't listen to this podcast and come back. Yeah, after that. you have watched it. Yeah, um, I have to say. So my goal in life now, uh-huh. one of my goals in life, is to watch less movie trailers. Yeah, because um, <laughs> I have felt like the last few I've watched have shown me the whole movie. Yeah. And then I watched the movie and I'm like, okay. This was a waste of time. I I could have watched the trailer. (laughs) I expected all this to happen. I knew where all the good jokes were. Yeah. Because I've watched this trailer. Yeah. And I'm really glad I didn't watch the trailer for this film because I think it would have spoiled the tone because all I knew going into it was it was an Edgar Wright film and I saw that like the movie poster thumbnail on HBO, mm-hmm. which gives a sense of kind of mood and actors. For context, you have watched the trailer at I some have. point. Well, I don't I've shown her. you the trailer. Well, you know what? It's also my goal in life to watch the trailer. Wait a few months. <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> Forget I watched it, which is, happens. Uh, I've seen the trailers for many of the movies that reappear on yes. the list. And sometimes and you need to see them again, and that's I fine. I won't remember yeah. them. So I don't remember this trailer, and I'm glad I did not watch it. the trailer. Yeah, for what it's worth, I watched the trailer for this, and I did not know a lot of things going okay. out and okay. into it. Because one of the things I was going to say was, I came into this movie knowing very little about it. Um, and so, again, we're spoiling the movie, and saying, I'm saying... Watch this with as few spoilers as possible. <laughs> yeah, this is one movie where I did not regret going in having no idea what yeah. was going to happen. Yeah. Watch the movie, definitely. I think, I think I don't want to speak for you, Amy, but I fully recommend watching this film. I think it was another quality Edgar Wright film. Yeah, he's, he's batting a thousand. I have, I have not watched an Edgar Wright film that I didn't, like, at bare minimum enjoy. Um, and this this was this was good stuff. This was top tier Edgar Wright for me, uh, at least as a first impression. Uh, very unlike a lot of his other stuff, um, both good and like. It wasn't a comedy first and foremost. Like, I think of Edgar Wright comedy or Edgar Wright films, and obviously like Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, are very much comedies first and foremost. Yes, they are not just comedies. They're very character-driven. They're very complex, filmically. Well, but then, yes, those films are certainly comedies, but you get a film like Baby Driver, which has a bit of a sense of humor about it. Yes. But... But it's a serious... It's it's an action film. It's an action film. This is not an action film either. This is... I was thinking about it as we were watching. I was like, I don't know how I would describe I this like, movie. It's a ghost story. It's like, a ghost is, story. Is it a horror Is it a, mur- I, is is it a it, murder mystery? Is it a thriller? <laughs> um, it's a good way to spend two hours is yeah. what it is. Because <laughs> I think the tone of it is very different in the first, like, third mm-hmm. and a half 
of mm-hmm. the movie, and then it switches into a darker mm-hmm. tone where, is this a horror film? Is it a suspense? Is it a mystery? Yes, to all of the above. <laughs> Uh, and it's really good at being all of those things. Mm-hmm. So, spoilers begin now. Um, the premise, such as it is, is that um, Ellie is a... Or Eloise. Eloise. Eloise or Ellie. She, she goes by both. by both. Names are an important and complex topic uh, mm-hmm. over the course of the film. I'm going to put my you know film analysis hat on. Mm-hmm. It's, it, names are very important. Um, yes, Ellie or Eloise or L uh, wants to be a fashion designer, and she gets accepted to the London Institute of Fashion Arts. The fashion school in London, the big one, the important one, um, from a very small town in the British countryside. We're never Cornwall. told. Cornwall? We're never told specifically where. Not the city Cornwall, but the area. Okay. I think. I don't know. I had to turn on the, the subtitles because yeah. I'm in a little trouble with the British accents. Um, and so, you know, it starts out as, you know, farm girl in the big city, um, struggling to make friends, find herself, figure out, you know, how to exist in the world, coming from a fairly sheltered background. Uh, there are some mean girls, and they're very mean. Mm-hmm. And mean girls make me uncomfortable, and I don't like them. Uh, have, you ever, have you ever seen Mean Girls? Yeah. Mean oh, Mean girls? girls is a great film. Okay. And it's very uncomfortable, and I don't like the mean girls. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think I think Mean Girls, the film, side tangent, does a really good job of complicating the the trope of the mean girl. Yes. Yes, um, it is a brilliant, brilliant yeah, film. It's a great film. <laughs> Go watch Mean Girls also, uh, if you haven't already. We're only like 20 years late to the party. Uh, I'm recommending it. I'm recommending that. <laughs> um, yeah, it, so it's that. She's trying to figure out you know, her place in the world, and um, she doesn't want to live in the dorms anymore. She realizes very quickly um, that she does not fit in there. She wants a place of her own, and so she ends up renting this room, um, you know, a, a bedlet, I think as they call it, or a bedstay. Basically, uh, she's renting a room in someone else's house. Um, and there she starts having visions of the 1960s. Although we're not clear initially of what it is she's experiencing. Is she having a dream? Is Time traveling, she... Yes. Um, Vision. We do not know, and the film takes its time explaining it to us, but not in, like, trying to hide us the secret. It's just not interested in that question for a long time. Um, So she starts experiencing the life of this young woman in the 60s named Sandy, or Alex, Alexa, there's, again, names. Alexandra. Alexandra, complex. Um, Who wants to be a performer and is also new to the town, but much more confident and and out there. And then um, meets a man who becomes her manager 
uh, and gets her into a very different kind of performance. Mm -hmm. Um, Mostly against her will. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it becomes a very, like, dark tale. Uh, And Matt Smith plays evil people very well. He's, He's a good villain. He's a good villain. Just watch him in The Crown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was he's good in The Crown. Yeah, as a villain. Partly <laughs> why I was sad when we changed cast. Yeah. <laughs> I never watched the later seasons. Me neither. I watched, Couldn't get into I watched it. the first season or two. Um, I mean, I really like uh, the woman that got to play the queen in the second seasons. Yeah, Olivia Colman. Yeah. She's brilliant, but I did not like her performance of the queen. Fair enough. It's tangent. What are we not, if not tangenting? <laughs> Watch the, at least the first two seasons of The Crown. Um, yeah, but like describing the plot of this doesn't feel like it's doing the movie justice. Because mm-hmm. um, she experiences these things, and then she gets some more confidence, and then things get dark, and then she gets worried. And is she seeing things? Is she hallucinating? Is she having visions of the past? Can she save Sandy? Is there is there a possibility of of you know changing the past if this is a time travel thing? Mm-hmm. Um, Where she inhabiting Sandy's body? Yeah, is she, she is it a possession? Something? What's going on? Uh, and. The film is only a little bit interested in answering those questions as much as it is exploring these characters, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, all of this is beautifully shot. Yes, it is beautiful. (laughs) It is a gorgeous film. (laughs) It is gorgeous. Uh, You could just watch the pictures and it would be The visuals of the 1960s, like color palettes, the ongoing, like, her room is outside of flashing, has like a flashing neon sign on Yeah, and so it's, it's flashing like between blue and, blue and red. red. I oh. was going to turn and ask, is, is this the bisexual lighting? It's, it's not, not bisexual it was, lighting. Because that's blue and pink. Yes. Isn't it? But it was, um, it was still... It was some very bold lighting choices. Very distinct. Where yeah. There's a very clear aesthetic yeah. going on in, in the film and cinematography. Yeah, so pretty. So pretty to look at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I've been talking about... What did you think of it, Amy? Uh, I think you know what I... Th- I well, yes, but we're recording quality. the podcast. I, I can read your mind, but well, that I makes guess... for bad entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> I said already that it was a quality and great film. Yeah. I was very um, entertained. I kept thinking, where is this going to end up? Um, I was pleasantly surprised by kind of the tonal shifts and not knowing where even it w- where it was going to go kind of scene to scene not just to the to the end of things yeah. um i i appreciate i think we've talked about this with Edgar Wright before is with his visual storytelling so there wasn't like what I think of, like, Edgar Wright cuts. Yeah, right? the sort I of, mean, like, the quick cuts yeah. and and match cuts and things like that. It was a little more restrained sometimes. Yeah, I, but, but I think in Edgar Wright fashion, there are several things shown rather than told in, like, exposition. Yes. So when... Well, first, the first scene where she's backlit in a doorway oh. in, like, this 1960s dress and she's dancing down the hallway 
And then you see the dress is made out of like newspaper. Oh. Um, it's really beautiful. She's in a bedroom and you don't know, like all the decor is kind of 1960s, like mm-hmm. Breakfast at Tiffany's picture, uh, movie poster. Mm-hmm. She's got a record player going, so it's not clear. Yeah, time, it's a little out of time. What time? Um, I would have, I probably, if it wasn't for the newspaper dress, I would have thought that it was in the 1960s. Mm-hmm. Something about that kind of um, tipped me off that mm-hmm. something might be happening. Well, I guess that in the little tagline on the film that said she was time traveling. Yeah, except for that, that part. That actually, <laughs> that might have planted the idea first. Um, but she sees a woman in the mirror who's yeah. not there. Yes. And and it seems like this is normal. Yeah, for... and she's not surprised by the woman in the mirror. No, right? no. Um, and so establishes, Felicity, are you going to go some ASMR? Mm-hmm. I'm going to rub your face on the, mm-hmm. the mic. Yeah. Um, establishes early on she can see ghosts or something. She has... can certainly see something. Uh, yeah. That there's something... Mm-hmm. And it's established pretty quickly that that is her mother. Yes. That she is seeing in the mirror. Yes. Um, and that her mother had some mental health issues and eventually died by suicide. Well, although, I mean, I was thinking throughout the film that maybe her mother could also see visions. Yeah. And, like, that was misread as a mental health issue. Mm-hmm. Um, because certainly it does seem like Eloise descends into, like, madness mm-hmm. um, towards the end of the film. Yes. But certainly to everyone else, it looks Yes, that you way. cannot see what she is experiencing. Um, so, yeah, he is, you know, they establish early on she can see something, mm-hmm. um, whether that's hallucination or a vision or ghosts, not clear. Um, the moment when she kind of wakes up in the 1960s and is walking into a building mm-hmm. and you're not sure is this real, is it time travel, is, is it a dream? dream and there's the mirror and she looks into it and she sees someone else mm-hmm. back at her and there's a play between um, her and this other woman with the mirror Yes. and so again establishing, to me at that moment was like, okay, she's like in the body Mm-hmm. Of someone else watching through their eyes, mm-hmm. which told which then eliminated like dream for me yeah. or physical <laughs> time transportation. Travel. Yes, um, yeah. That. Although um, I I did have to check while we were watching the movie because you know how bad I am with faces, mm-hmm. and so I had to check: is this the same actress in a blonde wig? <laughs> So while we were looking at no. the movie, I was like, okay, no, this is a different person. I feel like you can always t- I think her name is Anya Taylor-Troy, is the actor yes. who plays Sandy. Yes. Sandy. Um, she has the largest eyes, I think, that are humanly possible <laughs> to have. So that's how I always know It's like, oh, it's the, she's got the giant eyes. She has giant eyes. Yes. Very, very arresting. So. Um. Yeah, I don't know that I've seen anything else of hers. Well, she was in The Queen's Gambit, which we have not watched, yes. but should, because everybody loved it. Yes. Released the party. Um, 
she was in that X-Men film we watched about the haunted, except it wasn't really haunted. <laughs> yeah, Orphan that home, terrible X-Men movie. Home, kind of. Yes, uh, uh, the New Mutants. Yeah, that one. Um, she's in the the new Roger Robert Eggers, the Northman. Oh yeah. Which I would like to watch. I've enjoyed yeah. his other films. Um, okay. So I've seen her in at least one movie, but you know how I am with actors, and so I, I was like, okay, is it the same person? And it wasn't. And I was like, okay, it's not the same person. Well, but yeah, that would have that would have been a different visual storytelling. It would have, it which is why I had to check to see what were we what are we doing here? Yeah. <laughs> because they do, I think, intentionally look alike. Yes. The two actresses here. Or they're made to look. Yes. Well, and even um, Ellie goes so far as, you know, changing her hair and getting it cut more in line with who she's seeing, which is um, Sandy in these visions, and and trying to you know, almost steal some of her confidence in her way of moving through mm-hmm. the world, mm-hmm. um, which is quite effective for her. I think it, it does help her until things start going poorly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so those are the, some of the examples where I feel like I was being shown. Yes, oh yeah. Didn't have to be explained. Um, the ideas of mirrors comes up repeatedly. Yeah. Um, also, beautiful special effects shots. Yeah. <laughs> With, uh, you know, I, the one that stuck in my mind early on was um, Sandy and Ellie walking down the stairs where one of them is in the mirror and, like, it's clearly not a reflection because they're both looking in the same direction. And uh, that was real good. Real good film making. Real good film. <laughs> real good film thing. Yeah. Um, noticed from the beginning it was making a commentary of like, men sexually harassing women. Oh, yeah. That was all so from, over this thing. From the very beginning, when I was thinking... <laughs> Okay, it's just like Ed right in the know, and like it's make <laughs> some sort of commentary on how how kind of horrible it is to be a yes. woman sometimes, and, and constantly. We, we should note um, that this was co-written by Christy Wilson Cairns, who um, I don't particularly know her other writing work, but uh, she apparently wrote 1917, the World, oh, the War, World War II, II film. One. World War World One War film. One. <laughs> Uh, do we uh, remember what years the World Wars happened? Yes, yes, we definitely... 1917, the first one. Um, yeah, she's, she doesn't have a lot of credit. She was a staff writer on Penny Dreadful. She did 1917 with Sam Mendes and Last Night in Soho with Edgar Wright. That's all that she has done so far. Um, so, Not to say Edgar Wright can't also be in the know and write about harassment of women by men. Um, I just wondered from the beginning, like, how is this going to fit into the film? Or very, is this going to be like a, like a sub-commentary, just a reminder just a, to men? Like, like hey, like, by the no, way! <laughs> women don't want to constantly be hit on. You, know, you garbage people. <laughs> just, just, just so you know. I mean, it was very clear from the filming yes. that, that the women didn't want Didn't them. want this. And it turned out to be an important part of the whole story. Very, very important part of the whole story. Because it, so it only start, centers around 
this relationship of Sandy and basically her pimp, yeah. Jack. And yeah. it's an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's not really doing... She, she's, she's trapped. She's unwilling. Yeah. Um, but is, is, is trapped and mm-hmm. um, just falls into like the, the faceless men yes. that she... Yeah, I think um, one of the most powerful moments of visual storytelling for me relatively early on um, is during Sandy's first performance at the burlesque house. Mm -hmm. She looks over and she sees Jack talking to and laughing with the guy that he decked at the previous club. Yeah. I wondered if that was the same guy. I'm surprised yeah. you caught it. I, and I just I'm surprised about it. I caught it as well. And yeah. maybe it maybe it wasn't, but I it felt like it was that same guy or at least that same type of guy. Mm-hmm. But I think it was very intentionally that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, which was I mean there were obviously hints that Jack wasn't a great guy before that. Um, but that was sort of the moment of like, oh this is not a new thing for him. This is not... This is, like, just strictly manipulative behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a real... Again, a visual storytelling moment that nobody said anything or commented on, but added a lot of depth and richness to the story. And of course, we're watching this while Sandy is a backup dancer in a, a burlesque show, literally about a woman being marionetted. <laughs> Well, and also kind of in the previous scene, we'd she had been led to believe, and we had been led to believe mm-hmm. as the audience that she would be singing yes. at this club. Yes. So here she is as as a backup dancer. Yes. Did the storytelling after when she comes out, Jack is pushing her to go with this guy. With this guy, um, and she's like, "No," and it's like, "This is the whatever. This is the only way to do it." And she runs backstage, and mm-hmm. you see this montage of, like, a chorus girl shooting up heroin, mm-hmm. one giving a blowjob, one who's completely passed out. Yeah. Like, like uh, very quickly. As it's, it's presented as she's running past, like, their dressing room. Yes. This spiral of the, the woman interested in show business mm-hmm. goes, goes through. Yeah. It's, you know... The same old story, yeah, uh, of the chorus girl trying to become Scarlet Which, by the any means. Yeah, if you had told me someone else was making a movie about a starlet being corrupted by the industry, I would have been not at all interested, except if it had been directed by Edgar Wright, because <laughs> <laughs> that is a very cliche story. Yes, um, and it's very easy, I think, to just do it as a cliche rather than with the depth and nuance and new perspective that this film brought to it by looking at it through the lens of nostalgia almost and and the nostalgia that well, you, Ellie had for the past. You get caught up in the beauty of the yeah. clothing and the the setting. And the glamour and yeah. the music. And the hair and the makeup. Yeah. Well, Ellie even uses you know that to inspire her own fashion work. Mm-hmm. You know, the work she's doing is very much inspired by what she sees is the positives of this this time period, um, and when she starts to see the the darker side, she wants to quit. She's like, "Actually, I don't want this." Yeah. So, 
So that's what I thought. Good. I'm sorry, did you did you did you think the guy at the bar was Jack? I did. Uh yes. I I wasn't sure. I I the movie I felt like was leading us down that path because mm-hmm. it was showing us. Nobody ever said it, but it was showing us that sort of similar characterization. Um, well, they call him Hamzy. He's mm-hmm. like stalking Ellie. Yeah, he's it's not really a great guy. When when the uh, bartender came out, it's like, yeah, his name is. We call him Hamzy. Yeah, all, and I'm like, why don't you? Why do you <laughs> let him in your pub? Why don't you kick him out if he's being Hamzy with the customers? Yes, great question. Like, I'm not. I'm not trying to redeem him at all for not being Jack. He was still a dirtbag. <laughs> yeah, well, and the fact that he was, like, he was vice, mm-hmm. but he was still so sexual harasser-y. Oh, yeah. Like, sleazy yeah. Um, also speaks to, uh, speaks a lot. Yeah, I don't have a lot of um, sympathy for him getting hit by a car. No. I, um, I was also very surprised by... What eventually we learn happened to Sandy. Yes. Well, see, I thought from the beginning that Sandy and Mrs. Collins, the landlady, were going to be the same. Oh, really? Person. Good job. I, I did just not think felt that. Like that felt resonant. Uh, they lived in the same building, mm-hmm. and she said she bought the building from the owner after having lived in that apartment. Yeah. And so. Those were all very good points to make. I wasn't surprised. <laughs> That, that reveal. Things like not having boys over after eight mm-hmm. o'clock seems like somebody in the life who yeah. doesn't didn't didn't like that life. Yeah. Um, None of that made. I I didn't catch any of that. So good good job. That one that one I did see coming more, and so but I also thought that the old man at the pub was. Was Jack? I did notice. I did have the the moment when she was uh, when she was drinking tea, and sort of explaining everything that was going on. That was a very big uh, resonant moment in my brain too, uh, which is like, oh, I could never sell the place. It's too full of memories, and memories in this case were code for bodies. bodies. <laughs> no, I didn't see. I didn't, no, I didn't see, see that, that coming, coming at all. Um, but again, also, like, I didn't see it coming, but also, it doesn't feel like a twist in, in you know, like an M. Night Shyamalan way. It was just the natural progression of what we were seeing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's a twist or not, but it was a reveal. And it doesn't make you... There's interesting things happening where... I didn't want her to be the villain mm-hmm. for killing all those men and having to come up and like, mm-hmm. like that Ellie kills her. Yes. Um, to and that's that's comeuppance for the villain. Mm-hmm. I'm not wanting to be led for the audience to be really sympathetic towards the murder victims. This is a film, right? We yeah. <laughs> Like, like, murder's bad. We're going to start people. with that. <laughs> In general. Like, 
try not to... But how the film crafts sympathy for the murder victim. Right, because the first time she murders Jack, that's self-defense. Yeah, he was going to kill her, but then if not right then, at some point soon. <laughs> well, he had a knife to her throat. Yes, like, yeah, um, no, eminent threat... Absolutely. Self-defense. Everything after that was premeditated. Yes. First degree. Yeah. Bring a guy home and murder him. Oh. And then hide his body in the floorboards. Yeah. So, it didn't... There was some... I think there was some sympathy left for her. Even though she's also now trying to kill Ellie. She's just stabbed. Stabbed a guy. Stabbed a guy. Oh. Like, Those are bad things. Bad things where it's very easy to just go into a black and white villain mode. And I'm, yes. I think I'm trying to say there's a little bit more nuance. Absolutely. There. In well, how and she's represented. And Ellie does not kill her in the end. Um, she still dies, which, you know, it's a fair cop. She was either going to die or get arrested at that point mm-hmm. because of the storyline. Um, but Ellie. Like, when given the opportunity to take revenge, chooses not to. And sees her for, you know, her past self. And sees her as Sandy in a very literal sense. um, And not the Sandy of, you know, after Jack, but the Sandy before Jack. And who she was and could have been. um, And chooses to see that in her instead. And then also literally sees it in her. And afterwards... (laughs) It seems like Sandy's now going to be haunting her along with her yeah. mother. Yeah. This was, was a good movie. It was a good movie. I was surprised. I was entertained. Yeah. Um, enjoyed the twists and turns. Enjoyed looking at, listening to his great soundtrack. Oh, killer soundtrack. I mean, I expect that now, but absolutely killer soundtrack uh just every every track was a was a banger and period appropriate as far as i know uh the only other thing i had that was in my notes was uh i love me a microfiche scene (laughs) library give me give me that microfiche. microfiche and also uh just again brilliant storytelling uh, the fact that she's like looking for a missing woman or a murdered woman when she's trying to find Sandy and she keeps scrolling past all these dead guys like yep. teacher, father of two, husband. And he's like, nope, not them. And they all go missing. <laughs> and then, of course, we get that like answered later yeah. on in the film. Like that, just very good. Yeah. Very good filmmaking. <laughs> And if I'm catching these things on the first watch, then I wonder on the second watch if there's even more. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure there's more. Edgar Wright does not stop at the first viewing, the first layer. I mean, even subtle things, um, this is another one I caught on the first viewing, was Sandy cut her hand by grabbing the knife. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, Ellie gets her hand cut in the exact same place when she's fighting off Sandy for her life. And it's like, hey, what what a little resonance thing there. Yeah. It's a good movie. John, all your notes. Uh, the only other one I had was Jägermeister. Just the word Jägermeister. Oh, yeah. Uh. yeah. 
Like I said, I think you're required to be in your early 20s to drink Jägermeister. Yeah, like, that makes sense to that's me. That's the only time in your life you're when, gonna drink when it. you can and are allowed to drink it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's like a rule somewhere. It sounds like a rule. And that just also then reminds me of the uh, the early nineties, not early nineties, early two thousand viral video, uh, new haircut. I don't know that. It's okay. It, there's a guy that goes Jaeger bombs, Jaeger bombs. There's more to the joke than that, but if I explain to you a twenty year old viral video, we're going to be uh, really in the weeds, really off topic for an episode that's already been off topic a few times. <laughs> Well, do you have any more comments, Kevin? I don't know that I do. I I love the movie. I think the casting was great. The acting was good. Um, I think it just came out at the wrong time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this... I mean... I feel bad for Edgar Wright. Like, I feel like he never has a movie that just does as good as it should at the box office. Yeah. Well, I think, I think we're also at a point that unless you're, like, a big blockbuster superhero movie people just aren't going to the theaters yes to, to see yeah but i i think back to like all of edgar wright's films that have all done fine at the box office and then sort of been rediscovered later like Shaun of the dead was a word of mouth success um baby driver i think was his best performing and it didn't like blow the doors off mm-hmm. it is getting a sequel though so you know there's that yep, yep. baby driver That's too good yeah, just imagine what the Edgar Wright Ant Man would, would have been. I I wake up every day and think about how sad it is that we don't live in the universe of the Edgar Wright Ant Man. Not actually every day, but I think about that when I watch Ant Man because <laughs> that would have been a much better movie. And the reason we don't have it is because Marvel wouldn't let us. Thanks, Marvel. <laughs> You know we've how gotta, we, you know how we feel about you, Marvel. You gotta sand off all the edges, all the unique choices, <laughs> and we're stuck with the same boring stuff again and again. Yep, and yet we still keep watching. Yeah, Just in, in the event that maybe something gets better. Sometimes, sometimes things look okay. Uh, okay, you want to tell them about our Patreon, Amy? Sure, we have a Patreon. It's oh, cool. Patreon.com slash 5Degrees. Um, you can sponsor us on a per-episode basis. You can put a monthly cap on it. Should we put out 30 episodes and you say, I do not want to give for 30 episodes? We respect that. That's totally cool. Um, you have two perks for being a patron. One is that you get a list of movies that we didn't watch, because Kevin gives me a list of five, and I choose one, and it works out for both of our anxiety <laughs> proclivities to do it that way. Um, we found a way to make it work. <laughs> our respective brain things. Your second perk is you get the super, super unedited version where we talk to our cat at the beginning and end of recording, turning on the microphone. Yeah. We have a website. It's five degrees between dot us. I love a clever top level domain. Yes. yes. Um, we thank you for listening and we'll always be free. Having the patronage helps us pay for server costs and seeing the movies. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, rank us, review us, rate us on your favorite podcatcher. 
and tell your friends to go watch Last Night in Soho. Yeah. And then maybe listen to the podcast, but just tell them to go watch Last Night in Soho. Yes. Yes. That's more important. Did I get it all? I think that's all the things. Okay. Cool. Are we done? I thought you were going to do the thing this time. Oh, say goodnight, Kevin. Goodnight, Kevin.